On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. They were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man is Fitzgerald. Oh, Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Let's have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney out to Fitzgerald again, stamp and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Will Slattery and it is a podcast with a difference this week. I am not joined in studio, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. We are practicing very, very good social distancing. I'm in Rat Minds. I believe he is in Klanski. Is that correct, Luke? Correct, Will. Yes. Um, sorry, I forgot out the mic on and we're <laughs> on TV. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's where I live and that's as about as much information as I'm willing to give. I just yeah, apologies. You'll be inundated with stalkers now. Well, I was more I, I was more thinking about eggs, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's good to be here. Obviously, very uh, kind of weird, um, very weird out there. I'm still going into work at the moment in town, and it's like it's like 28 days later or something. You know, it's like the streets well, yeah. are well. Just as well, we're not together now. I didn't want to catch coronavirus off you. So like, yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's seriously weird, isn't it? It's yeah. um, well, it's funny yeah. like how much things can change in a week. Like you know, we were we were in the studio last week talking about Lancer Saracens and oh, would there be fans there? Would it be behind closed doors? And you know, now a week later, if you told me that a week later I'd be at home doing it in my bedroom, I would have thought maybe I was under house arrest after committing a terrible crime or something. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I can't. I'm not surprised that that's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're obviously a nefarious character. Yes, yeah. but this is the um, world we're living in. Yeah, so how, how have you adjusted to the uh, the new kind of COVID-19 kind of uh, status quo? Um, actually been okay, really. Uh, work has been busy enough. Like, obviously, I'm, so I'm working in... Um, in kind of uh, capital markets, I suppose. And um, yeah, like markets have been going pretty crazy. It's pretty, um, like I wasn't around in, in the bank, obviously in 2008 and 2012. I was busy uh, with my, other, my, my previous career. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's people saying that it's kind of, you know, it's very similar conditions, if not worse, you know. So, um, yeah, very interesting times to be kind of uh, working through. Um, you know, we do. I think times like this do, however, show how important sport is for 
um, for everyone, for society, you know, it shows him which we, like how big a part of everyone's life it is and what impact it has. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, I guess it's, it's a, yeah, as you say, it's an interesting time for the podcast. We're going to try our best to get through this one anyway with our, with our new kind of technical uh, makeup. And there are some benefits to working from home. I do. I just popped some ribs into the oven before we started here. So I'm going to be kind of maybe sporadically like kind of leaving the shot <laughs> and going down to checking my ribs in the kitchen. Uh, so I, I, <laughs> if we could be done here by 10 to 8, I'd be ideal time for my Perfect. ribs to come out of the oven so uh but yeah like it's i guess you know today there was another kind of movement with rugby wise is the pro 14 has now cancelled that grand final yeah. they've suspended the season indefinitely and you know as we were talking as i mentioned earlier we were talking about the champions cup last you know week that's been kind of kicked down the road as well and mm-hmm. it's looking increasingly likely that you know then now even the ireland summer tour is in jeopardy like and you know it's kind of the question is emerging. Say if rugby is able to return, say July, you know, August time, what what what's the best way to go about restarting it? Like, is it like I think at, the, at this stage the Pro 14, given there's ten rounds of regular season rugby left, is is probably done. Like, is there an argument to be made to to play Champions Cup to to run that off? Do you think, or do you think we're better off maybe just starting anew and just you know accepting that this season is is kind of done and accept it for what it is, a freak event, and, and just move on with a new season next year? Yeah, look, I think that's probably what's going to happen. Um, I'm hoping from, uh, particularly from a, a football perspective, I know you're a big Liverpool supporter, but <laughs> I'm a United supporter. Um, and I'm really hoping that they just wipe the slate clean and start <laughs> yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. um, the ghost of Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, he's not dead. Then, uh, sorry, not, he's not dead, but <laughs> he's still haunting you. Um, I just saw I saw a really funny meme on it. Uh, maybe that's why it's in my head, but... Um, yeah, look, I think that's probably what's going to happen. They're even talking about the summer tour to Australia um, already being kind of being in jeopardy, you know. And I think it's becoming into their winter, so I assume that they'll be very, very cautious about you know kind of travel from the northern hemisphere at that point because obviously that is kind of flu season. Um, it seems like we're kind of finding out more and more about this uh, as time goes on, which is probably what you'd expect. So, um, you know, maybe it doesn't matter whether it's hot or cold climates, but you'd think, you know, most people are kind of experience kind of colds, coughs and this kind of stuff and their immune system probably more compromised in the winter. So maybe they'll be a bit more cautious about having kind of Northern Hemisphere guests, I suppose, uh, during that period. So look, we wait and see on that. Uh, it is very, very disappointing. There's a huge amount of hard work that goes into uh, preparing yourself for a rugby season um, and obviously all the supporters who would have been really looking forward. I mean, obviously on the horizon would have been um, that Saracens game, which is going to be hugely disappointing. I think both people were really looking forward, or both sets of fans, I think were really looking forward. And I didn't even go so far as to say everyone in Europe was really looking forward to seeing that one. It's probably the last time we see that Saracens team together. And, uh, you know, Leinster look like they really will challenge them very, you know, that they'll, they'll It'll be a real tough, tough challenge for Saracens to overcome, particularly being away from home. So um, that'll be really disappointing for lots of people, I think. Yeah. So just, just on that game, like the, the difficulty, one of the many difficulties with maybe playing that off, at, you know, in the summer or, or later, you know, towards the start of when next season would begin ordinarily, is that you know that Saracens team. A lot of these guys have already agreed to be leaving the club at the end, of, you know, at the in the summer, like you know, contracts usually have defined dates on them, like so. You know, the likes of Will Skelton will be gone. You know, I think Benner is one of many players who've organised loan deals to go to go elsewhere, like so. I don't t- see how feasible it would be for that to go ahead if half the Saracens squad or, or a huge portion of them won't even be at the, in, on, at the club anymore. Sorry, excuse me, Will. <coughs> I don't know what I'm there. Uh, um, symptom. 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> look, we're uh, doing it by distance. Um, yeah, look, it's it's very, you know, and I, I did see some interesting news. It looks like, uh, you know, some, the English clubs have blocked Maro Atoje, obviously, um, heading off to France. So it looks like he might have a decision to make on, on his career, like whether he sacrifices the, the money to stay um, in the UK or, or how that's kind of facilitated. Um, because obviously he, like lots of these players would be out of pocket, you would assume. Um, so... Yeah, we watch with bated bread on that one because like that could really be the the end of an era in Saracens. You think one or two of them will probably stay, um, but like Championship Rugby is just, it's it, there's such a big gulf in in the quality there from what these people would have been used to um, playing in. You know, like no, like you could argue they don't they don't get great support at all the games anyway. But you know, it would still be disappointing or very challenging for lots of people to get themselves up for a game against you know. I know Rotherham or you know Doncaster haven't played against like the likes of Leicester Tigers or Exeter or these places, and then obviously Champions Cup as well. So um, it'll be really interesting to see the fallout from that. And um, yeah, it is disappointing to see them go, even though look they were doing it the wrong way. So like you were, they were bound to be punished. So um, yeah, look, we, we 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 keep going. Like I think it is very challenging. I think like lots of people will be saying things like. Um, you know, it is for the greater good, and that's that's basically what's going to be the the, the real um, decider on this stuff, like as to whether we we, we played as you know we finish the season in August or not. Like, I don't see any point in doing that because then it spills over into next season. Yeah. Like, there's still probably a, a fairly good chance that we start the season fresh in September, having missed the you know you know whatever two or three of the of the last couple of months of the season. Um, which would be really disappointing, but I think that's probably the best way to go about doing it. Will yeah, I think it's probably I, at this. Like, I don't. What What do you think? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, that's I my the, view on it. I, no, I, I think the best thing is just to accept, as I said, like that this is a freak, a freak event. Start anew yeah. in September. At least, like the schedule, the way it's set up, it can facilitate the Six Nations being run off. So you'll, you won't be losing the Six Nations. That should be able to be run off in those two yeah. weekends before the autumn tests. But like yeah. I said, 10 weeks of Pro 14 action is unfeasible to put anywhere in the schedule. I don't really see the point of shoehorning yeah, in yeah, yeah. Champions Cup quarterfinals in July or August, you know, with players, you know, as I said, the Saracen situation. I think we just accept it and move on and just try to hopefully, fingers crossed, September comes and we can go back to rugby. But but one thing, like, I mean, like, what do you think of, uh, like, so say hypothetically, you know, you know, we're not doctors, we don't know when this will end, but if, say if, if July comes around, August comes around, July, say, and we can play rugby. Like, what's the lead time that these guys will need now to get back to, to, to playing games? How long will they need? Well, I'd, I'd say they won't need any. Like, these guys will just, they'll just keep training through it. Will. Like, if that's all you can do. Like, you just, you control the controllables in this scenario, you know? I think it's like most people in work. Like, um, and, and it's, it seems to me that the best way of actually kind of containing this thing and buying ourselves time for, you know, a vaccine to be available or for some kind of treatment to be available for people who kind of get seriously sick with this is to kind of buy time. And maybe the best way of doing that is to be very strict around the kind of quarantine part of it. So games are going to be, Bit of, a bit of a no-no. I'm hoping that they get this thing from on a personal perspective. I'm getting married in July, so um, I hope they have it in order. Where's my invite? I'm waiting for my invite to come. For we, that, haven't, we, we haven't sent them out, Will, but um, yes. Uh, and I want a good know, table. I wouldn't wait for the post box at this stage because we might have to change the dates. Um, I want a good so, table. Look, I want O'Driscoll uh, minimum. O'Driscoll. You are in. You're, you're in the absolute bleachers because <laughs> uh, I know you'll be absolutely hassling the lads for, for autographs and stuff. Autographs, yeah, yeah. Proper rugby nerd, rugby nerd. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's um, 
yeah, look, it is. It's a disappointing. Like, it's. I don't even know what to say about it. I'm not even sure we should keep discussing it because I think it is a done a done deal. I mm. think the best way of going about this is just trying to nip this in the bud, controlling as best we can um in in the short term and that means like just trying to really control all the mass gatherings and trying to manage their way through like it looks like china like you're never sure what the in terms of the numbers they put out you're never sure what to actually trust but it does seem like they have some kind of control over it now at the moment and the real thing to be watching for i think from what i gather is the kind of reinfection rates as to whether people because there's no immunity but maybe you're you're once you're once you fight through it you have the your immune system is able to bat it off but it's kind of the reinfection rates once everything's kind of calmed down and people are heading back to work. Um, so we watch with that. We watch and kind of see the, like uh, how that all plays out. And I think that'll probably be, you know, that'll impact a lot of the decisions that we make over the next couple of months as well. Um, you know, as to how things kind of the fallout once everyone gets back to normal um, and whether we can actually do that until we have a vaccine. Yeah, on terms of actual rugby news, there was one interesting thing last week that Ian Madigan, friend of the show, who's been on probably as many yeah. times as, as both of us at this stage, he'll be going to Ulster next year. Very interesting move. You know, we, we something we've discussed before that Ulster, you know, while Billy Burns has been pretty good for them, that if they got a, a, a really good out half playing really well, that could be the missing piece for them silverware-wise. Like, do you, do you think it's a good move? Great move uh, for both, I think. Um, I like Billy Burns. I think there'll be a bit of competition between the two of them. There's no doubt about that. He's done a very good job. Um, I think Ian might be just... Uh, look, he has that experience. He's a big game player. Um, and, uh, you know, he's very durable as well. He's a guy who's there all season. You know, he's played in the centre for them as well. Or for, for, you know, for Leinster, for, for Bristol. Um, I think he'll come back with a renewed... Um, I think I, I think the, the couple of years will actually work work in his favour. I know it hasn't gone great from the last couple of years in, or sorry, the last year or so in Bristol, maybe towards the end of last season. Um, but he gets a start afresh, and I think he will be very refreshed, having gone through a very difficult period, and actually haven't seen a few different setups around um, around Europe. I think that'll be good for him. So I expect him to really kick on. I think it'll be good for the likes of Johnny Sexton as well. Like I think he'll come back and realise that you know. Ian's in the tail end of his career as well, you know. So he's going to be under serious pressure to try and get more Irish caps. Like I think that has to be a big reason why he's coming back. I'm sure there'll be better money moves for him around Europe, um, and I'm pretty sure from having spoken to him off air a few times that he was kind of exploring a few of those opportunities, and those opportunities were there. Um, but I think the pull of getting an opportunity to pull on an Irish jersey was probably the key difference here as well as like I think Dan has done a super job up there with the team you know um, he's got his recruitment policy has been really really good um, he's got lots of guys who maybe were weren't feeling the love maybe in their own provinces or with other teams and he's got them playing great I always think that it's a good sign of a setup and a coach um, so it seems like it's a good it's a good set thing for, for, for everyone to to come back into you know they have two place kickers now as well like really top class if John Cooney gets injured you know Ian is obviously you know top class goal kicker or you never know Ian might end up being the first first choice goal kicker there so uh, either way that strengthens them up in that department um so, yeah, I think it's a good move for everyone, you know? Yeah, it's an interesting one for Ian as well because, uh, you know, as you mentioned, like, he's been away for four, four, three seasons, four seasons, four seasons. You got I'd one say three and a half, really, yeah. Well, yeah one so in Bordeaux. Four by the end of it. Yeah, one in Bordeaux and three in Bristol. And, like, yeah. to call a spade a spade, like, it hasn't been a resounding success is moving away. Like, I know he's, he's gotten well paid and at different times he's been doing well, but I guess in Bordeaux it, it kind of, it ended in a not great way and likewise at Bristol. So, like, he's going back and I'm sure himself, like he'll want to prove a point himself that, you know, before he left, he was being talked about as someone
him, you know, right behind Johnny Sexton as, as maybe Ireland's next hit half. He's coming back in a very different kind of uh, part of his career. Like, so from that point of view, like, he will have, even to himself, want to prove a point. Oh, he's got a point to prove. There's no doubt about that. And as I said, like, I think, like, it'll, I, I think, look, the Bordeaux thing was, seemed like there was, a, it was a, bit unstable at the top you know um it seemed like the the first group that were in liked him the second and then he kind of fell out with them but then just as he was leaving he actually found whether he found form or whether the new coaches liked him at the end um and it was kind of too late he'd already kind of put pen to paper in bristol and decided he was going there um so that one was kind of a topsy-turvy one and probably reflective of the environment at the time. Uh, the Bristol thing, you know, you could argue that it's like, so he, he was a kind of integral part, has lots of big moments with them, um, you know, last season uh, particularly. And, got, you know, I'd say it was a very important part of them being able to stay up in the league. Um, you know, a few key kicks as well at, at big moments to, to, I suppose, help the team through a few tight ones. Um, this season, I think, and the, towards the end of last season, were kind of more tricky. Callum Sheedy looks like a nice player, and he's kind of. Uh, I think I think he might still have the option to play. Maybe, or just, sorry, did he play in English? He played one English test, didn't he? So I think he's maybe he's maybe decided he's going to be in, um, playing for England now. But he had the choice to play to play for Wales, Ireland, or England. If I'm right on that one, Sheedy. He, he was uh, underage. I think he was, was he under under twenties for. I think he Wales? had the option to play for the few of them. But anyway, sorry, yeah. he's come into some unbelievable form, kind of out of the blue. Um, and that's definitely, you know, hampered Ian's opportunities there. And that would have been a disappointing end to, to his, his, his Bristol career. But I don't think it's all going to be bad. And I think um, you probably, yeah, I think you probably phrase it better th- than me in terms of he definitely has a point to prove. And I, But I think the way I suppose I was putting was that I think he'll, he'll have a renewed sense of kind of urgency um, at this point in his career around trying to get into that, that Irish setup. And I think, um, you know, he's been a good servant for Ireland and he's, uh, as I said, he's kind of durable. So he's always there. So like, if you look at, <coughs> the reason I bring up the durable piece is because if you look at the likes of say Joey Carberry, um, you know, he's obviously struggled with injuries and there hasn't been a genuine backup to Johnny. Well, that's um, the thing, like you know, the, the, the situation Byrne. he's coming back into. But they just don't want to use Ross Byrne. It's weird. They just yeah. don't want to use, like I really rate Ross Byrne. I think he's a super player. Um, and for whatever reason, they just don't seem to keep, want to give him the opportunities because Johnny was clearly injured in the Six Nations. Like he had a torn medial. Like there's just no doubt about that in my mind. Um, uh, which, which, And you could clearly see from those uncharacteristic kicks, like, when have you ever seen Johnny Sexton kick like that from the ground? It was clearly because he had his torn ligament in his knee. Like that's what the strapping that strapping is for. That um, as I've been, I was harping on on the podcast about it for the few weeks. So like someone like having someone like Ian Madigan on the bench, they might have had more confidence to, to use him, and maybe the team would have benefited from that. Um, but we don't know. Um, but I just feel like it's nice to have another guy who's going to be around and really pushing Johnny Sexton and pushing the team then and having a genuine someone that they might be a bit more confident than Ross Byrne because I can't understand the Ross Byrne thing but they just don't seem, seem to want to use him or start him in big games he seems to only be viewed as a bench player yeah because like Ian Madigan is coming back into a situation like pretty similar to one he left in terms of Johnny Sexton still the top the top man and no real obvious successors even now like Carberry's being talked about as you say, Burros yeah. Byrne is there, but there's no one, there's no like cast iron person saying, oh, like, that's definitely going to be the person or even the most likely person yeah. uh, to succeed Johnny. 
Yeah, and look, it, I will say, like, if the Ulster guys around him stay fit, like, it's a really, really nice setup for him. Like, he's very comfortable. Guys like Jordy Murphy uh, could see it, obviously, but John Cooney and him actually get on really well, always have. There's a lovely relationship there. But as well for a 10, what I like about Ulster is, again, I think the pack has really improved. That always helps. But having McCluskey next to you, like, he is a really nice out to have, no matter what you're doing. Um, I always think Ian plays his best rugby when he's just playing the, the first option he sees and when he has a simple option. He has a simple out there all day with McCluskey, who's playing some super rugby for a long time. Um, I think he has everything in place there, plus a really good coaching staff um, to um, to really succeed there and possibly bring them to the next level and really compete with Leinster. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, you mentioned John Cooney playing alongside him. Like, yeah, you, it's him and John easy. are very close. They I was going to say, well. yeah, it's e- it's oh. easy to see them meshing really well. I think. Yeah, they're they're both kind of they're they're both. Um, a bit of personality about them as well. You know, they don't they're not afraid to speak up. They're they're confident in themselves. Um, I think they could be a re- they could form a really nice partnership there, and that's something we probably haven't thought of when we mentioned this. I think because it's really important that you do have those relationships. You look at Johnny Sexton himself and Luke McGrath. Um, they're kind of similar personalities. Like they're you know really they're kind of like both great fun. Like if you know them personally, but they're very serious, really competitive. They both are you know I think they're a really nice match. Do you know I I, I don't know if that's kind of hard to say, but or it's hard to maybe put that into words as to why that is the case but they just are a good match mm-hmm. uh, and you can see it works well um, and um, like even the Conor Murray and Johnny Sexton you know it's the same kind of vibe as well um, and I think John and um, and Ian have a really there's a real basis for a good relationship there and both are, both on their day can be brilliant like they could be they could light up the, the like if the, if the pack at them could go forward if the defence is solid those guys will produce moments of magic for you um, they're both big game players and they're both kind of big personalities as well so um I'm expecting fireworks up there. I'm hoping they're they're, they're good ones. Yeah, no, I'm I'm thinking, I'm really excited to see how that goes next year. And it's kind of another example of Ulster just adding like bit by bit, kind of another yeah. nice building block. And you know, it's a one year contract, so it's not as if they made a huge commitment. Like it's it's I think it's like a, it's a very good bit of business for them. And you know, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a year for Ian as in to prove himself, and then you'll get a good you know a good deal maybe after that. Yeah, I, I'd say so as well. Like, there's no, there's no reason why. Now, the only thing is, he's on the like, it's he's on the. He's always kept him. He's always extremely fit, and he's excellent, like in the gym and all that. So he, his career could go on for a very long time. But you know, but um, well, he's only thirty, isn't he? Or is he? Oh. Ah, but, you, but sorry, once you get one, they, they get very weird about contracts when you yeah. get over 30. So he'll kind of be go through, he'll, he'll have that experience now that lots of people have had. They can be very unpleasant and people don't like them all the time <laughs> because you could have, well, you could have a one year contract and you might get injured at the end of the season yeah, when, yeah. You're, when you're renegotiating or something like that. So um, I think his, he'll have something there to chase as well. I think it's probably a smart move by Ulster and that or whoever the IRFU, whoever's kind of signed off on it um, because he's got something to chase. Like he'll want to be kind of having a, like you want to, hit the ground running and in January be, you know, renegotiating in a, renegotiating in a very strong position for a two year or something like that, or a three year. Mm. Um, maybe he finishes his career up in Ulster. So, um, yeah, we, like it's, uh, they look like, I just, I have to say McFarlane has just done a super job up there. I think the whole vibe in the place. Now he was coming from a very low ebb. Um, so probably the only way was up, I think. Um, but he certainly has gone that direction. And um, all the moves, he seems to have made all the right moves. Like I really like how, 
I, I think I've spoken about it quite a lot, Will. I think we, we both have. I think the, the, the forward acquisitions um, have been, you know, really good. Like, he just, he, I felt like he got the dynamic really right. Like, I think he knew he had enough on the backs, enough flair in the backs that, you know, he wasn't going to be found wanting there. And enough kind of solidity, particularly around the center partnership. Um, but I just think the guys that he's brought in in the pack have been really superb and mm. have... Like they, they're, they form a great basis for the team to be successful going forward for, for quite a while and to be really competitive with any other pack in Europe, which I think has always been the concern with Ulsters that they can't compete there. So he has just done a super job there. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing if they can kick on now because I feel like they're at the top, they're back at the top table now. Um, it's just whether they can kick on. Yeah. And just moving on to, to one other province now, and I guess one of the disappointing, the many disappointing aspects of, of, of rugby falling by the wayside, but one of them definitely is that uh, Leinster's perfect season attempt now ends. Oh, I think you're the best. My bet. <laughs> I want my money back, Paddy Power. Uh, but um, I think you're right. They got, they got the 18 and 0. Uh, I think that's what it finished on. I could be, I, I could be wrong. But uh, it was a fantastic achievement, and it was kind of just heating up when the when when everything kind of went cold. Like, how do you reflect on it on, on what they were doing and what they were building towards? That's kind of hard to gauge, I think, because they're like, who cares if you go unbeaten if you lose in the final of the Champions Cup and mm. you lose in the in the in the grand final? Like, it doesn't matter. Um, I will say they look very impressive. Um, they have so many weapons. I think. Um, I think the coaching staff is just they're they're very settled now, um, and they seem to be just in a really they seem they seem like they're in that sweet spot that Joe Schmidt was in from kind of maybe ten games into his first season to when he to to his second last season um, in Leinster, even you could argue to his last season in Leinster and maybe his first one with Ireland, first two with Ireland, you know. Um, they just seem like they're a little bit ahead of the curve uh, in terms of their thinking, in terms of the environment they're in. I think they have the resources as well. Um, and we kind of see that. We talk, like, we talk about Ulster, like they've had lots of really good, you know, they've made lots of good buys from, from Leinster. Um, you know, people who are top quality internationals who weren't getting a look in at Leinster. Um, but to tie back into Leinster, like that, that's, that's the, they've just a wealth of, of kind of talent. And the school system, I think, is just, churning out like so many talented guys i mean you look at baird a couple of weeks ago i mean how exciting a prospect is he i just hope he's not he doesn't fall into that space where he's kind of stuck for a position uh, i'm not sure how tall he is like these, those kind of things make a big they make a big impact on, on international level so he looks like he's got the pace to be a six if he wants to be it might be something that he has to think about um because you have to be a specialist in your position there's no real I can't think of any really great, and this is the question he has to ask himself, is if he feels he's an international quality player and he looks like he does have all the attributes to be that, can you think of a player that wasn't a specialist, that was considered you know, an all-time great uh, or one of the best ever in, in, in their position? I can think of very few bar, you know, outside of maybe Matt Kiddo, um, who was who my favorite player, I think, probably ever. Um, but I can't think of anyone else who was considered an all-time great. Um, and that's always what you have to be aiming for. You know, I think you look at James Ryan, you look at Johnny Sexton, you look at all these guys, um, Keen Healy, they all play one position um, and you have to do it really well. Richie McCaw, Dan Carter, uh, George Gregan, Johnny Eels, you know, all these guys, I can go on and on, but they play one position. 
and they just do it really, really well. Um, so that's the big that's the big question I think that that he has to ask himself, and lots of young players have to ask themselves uh, ask themselves that they have to be able to look at their body type and say. Well, what can I really do? That's great. He looks to me like he could be a super six, you know, like a you know a very tall six, but someone he it looks like he has the mobility to do it. Uh, you can see from the footwork and that. So, um, you know, in terms of Lancer, like they seem to have lots of guys like that who are very very exciting, and I think I'm, I think everyone's really looking forward to seeing how these people kick on. Um, you know, as supporters, I don't know what. Like, what do you think? Well, well, I, I mean, I, that, that's my view. I think they look very. Set I'd like to see Baird yeah. inside with James Ryan in the second row. I think they could be Lancer's second row pairing for. 10, 10 years. I, 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 Do you think he has to look beyond Leinster? Baird? No. Like, Devin Toner. Is, is, he, is he tall enough? Is, is he tall enough? I think he is. But I don't have his measurements off the top of my head. I don't. I couldn't open my... I was going to open a Google Chrome window that won't benefit of uh, using yeah. this thing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it looks like you kind of have to be... like Most of the best guys I see in that position are kind of like minimum 6'7", aren't they? Yeah, I don't know. Like, what, is Scott Ferrari 6'7"? Yeah, yeah, you're not going to compete with Devin Toner being like 6'11". But, uh, but, but, but but Scott is a super player where he played 6 a lot as well. Yeah. Do you know that kind of way? Like, I think, would you consider him an all-time great? You wouldn't, even though he is an outstanding football player, uh, like rugby rugby player, you know. But um, you, do you know what I mean? Like, sir, I, I just look at these things. It was always the question you need to ask yourself is... Like, where can you get in the team, first of all? But where actually suits your body type? Yeah, he's 6'5", um, apparently, according to... My very yeah. crude calculations. What I'm getting at is, I think he's a six. Yeah, but the, it's just the back row at Leinster is so competitive, and an Irish rugby in general that you'd be walking into an area that is extremely competitive. Like second row is is probably a little bit lighter. Yeah, but he's not going to be able to be great there. I don't think. And he time looks like, and he sorry, he looks like he could be great. That's why I mentioned. Yeah, um, time will tell. So he's only twenty one, I believe. So he, he he has time on his side. Just before we finish up, we might get to two or three questions that our listeners were kind of just sending in as we flagged that we were returning after a, I guess, a two day hiatus. Uh, we were at our usual Tuesday slot. Uh, I'm interested to see what ones you pick because I've yeah. seen. I was tagged in all these. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I I I actually took some of the more uh, ones that were serious. One of them I thought was a good one. We'll fly through some of these from Mark Ivers. What is every province's best player and why? So the four provinces pick the best one of each one, in your opinion, and why? Uh, Ulster could see Um He's just so dynamic. He gives them go forward. Um, He's kind of unmarkable, I think, when he's when he's in form. I mean, if if the kind of team get any momentum outside of him, you know, you look at like the likes of Henderson and these fellas. If they have big games, like he just seems to have a monster game because when you're rumbling forward, like like I think he's a shoe in for the South African team as well, which is which kind of says it all. But he's definitely their best player. Yeah, I think um, John Cooney summed it up well when he came on. If he, yeah, the start of the season, he was like, "Could see the system. When you see me, you play me." Every time, see, yeah, see, <laughs> does he see, say that? See he, does, he, lo- <laughs> he, 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 he plays like the Terminator and he sounds like the Terminator from, from what uh, we gather from John. But like, John Cooney's been outstanding, uh, close second, I think. But could see is a different class, mm. I think. He okay. is like, he, he, he's a guy who I think is if bar like he's just had so many injuries. Um, but he, he's a guy who probably, if he'd been playing all the time, would be considered a um, you know, a, a one of the greats, I think. Uh, just been unfortunate with injury. Okay, Connacht. Connacht, um, uh, who do I think is their best player? I think uh, Bundy Aki is their best player. Hmm. Um, I think he... 
you know, so much energy. He's he's got nice touch. He's a nice ball handler as well. But when he's playing well in the sports ground, he seems to give everyone a big lift around him. Um, and I think he's their key guy. If you can keep him quiet and attack, and if you can allow him, if you can kind of manage him as well, he's a great man for a turnover for them as well. So um, I always like Tiernan O'Halloran as well. I thought he's a kind of an underrated player. Um, he can kind of have patchy days where he can make a few kind of bad errors, but when he's on form, he's a, he's a class act. Like, and he kind of glides across the turf. He has the ability to kind of go through gaps, but also play other people. So I think those two are my two favorite guys there. I always like Alton Delam when he's playing well. Um, and Dennis Buckley was a big player for them that year. They won the, uh, the, uh, the league against us, yeah, great man for a turnover. But they're the kind of guys I think are. Sorry, I think Bundy Key is their best player, yeah. but they have a few other guys who are kind of key as well. Okay, Munster. Do you, do you want one worders here, or will I go through? No, oh, no. Let me have a little, yeah. Am I yeah. doing okay so far? Yeah, well, my ribs are. Um, I have eight minutes until my ribs is the only thing. So. <laughs> yeah, it could be burnt. Um, <laughs> Munster's best player is Connor Murray, uh, closely followed by uh, Peter O'Mahony and CJ Stander. I think um, I like. Andrew Conway in current form, though, I'd say, is probably their form player, personally. Uh, yes, I would agree with that. I think um, playing some brilliant rugby. Um, I always think he throws when he's playing well and when he's looking for the ball is just a real handful um, and, is, and, and, and is a super player as well. Okay, uh, they I'm make gonna... some great signings. But I'd say, yeah, no, it has to be Conor Murray, definitely, still for me. And Lancer. Lancer's best player is um, I think it's Johnny Sexton but I love watching the two lads in the centre play I think they're world class I really think Robbie Henshaw is a real difference maker for Ireland and for Leinster Uh, I think he was a big reason why you know like I think he's had a huge impact in Leinster I think defensively as well he makes everyone else's job easy in that type of defence, it's very difficult, uh, particularly out wide. And they ask a lot of you. Um, and you're very exposed if you don't have good centres. And Gary and him have a lovely partnership there. I will say that for pure flair, I have to. I just love watching James uh, James Lowe play. Um, I think Larmer is outstanding at that level as well. I think he's a bit to go on international level. But because um, he's got a, like the size thing is always going to be challenging for him. But Jesus, James Lowe is, is top quality as well so um i feel weird kind of saying that, like kind of focusing on all the backs because Len- Ryan and, yeah. like Len- Lencer's pack yeah i still think sorry jesus sorry fucking hell you're 100 percent right i was kind of coming to that i, I kind of just considered johnny and then i was like oh who else in the backs is close um like keen healy um unbelievable player uh james sorry yeah like james ryan is class i think reese ruddock is brilliant for them as well and all the big days but like sorry james ryan like he was the only guy who really stood out against england i thought he was breaking yeah. lads up really close sorry in terms of best players <laughs> you have to pick one so you pick sexton uh, well well now you've sorry you, like oh, come on i can't think of it all you're putting me on the spot with this one um oh, jesus uh, maybe it is. Uh, no, I think Johnny still on his day is is uh, is he's he's a he's a nose hair away from. I think I think sorry James would be James Ryan would be second best definitely. Yeah, it's very close between those two. James Ryan is my number one player. I think in Ireland, uh, if I had to, if I had one pick, if he gave me one pick to pick one player to start a team, I think that's who I would pick. He's got an easier job at the moment than Johnny. 
but I think the remit will will more will be asked of him as as he goes on. I think he's got he just looks like he's got a great head and his shoulders. I think he's going to be one of the best ever. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be like a he's going to be a Paul O'Connell. I think he looks mm-hmm. like it, which is a big it's a it's a they're big big boots to fill, but. Um, he looks like it's just whether he can be a leader of other men now. Okay. He can lead himself okay. now, but yeah, that's a, that was a teaser. Was a <laughs> okay, one. two questions left, and then and then we'll finish up. Stephen Headley uh, asked, "What is the best game you've ever played in?" Um, best game I ever played in. Um, I think probably the Northampton game from a. Uh, just a result and how it all panned out. Like you'd probably say the most high quality was the, you know, where like where like I think the li- second Lions test in Pretoria was probably like that was they were that South African team was just unbelievable. Like they were so good, um, and we kind of played I thought above ourselves to be that close to them, um, and it definitely wasn't a personal highlight in terms of my own performance, but also the team performed like you know we lost it like so that's always hard to it's always hard to say that that's going to be your best ever game um but yeah i think i'll always look back in northampton and say like people like even today in work we're weird enough like one of my my boss in work um is like no idea about rugby no interest and he was in his physio uh last night and they had a picture of that Northampton game and he was like, did you play in that game? And I was like, yeah, I played in that game. <laughs> and uh, I was kind of thinking like, you know, even he knows that game. So maybe that one because it was, um, what else? Maybe the Grand Slam one. Sorry, Will, I know you're, you're dying to get your, your, your ribs. <laughs> like, just relax here. I'm fine. We're working, okay? I'm We're working. Yeah. I can see you, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, haven't eaten, I haven't eaten as well. Just relax. But you're in a kitchen. I'm like, you know, you could, you could actually eat your ribs. If you had ribs, you could. I just, I only have a, I only have a, like, Glass of Rybean here. <laughs> um, oh, maybe maybe the game against Wales. Oh, Will, that's a good one as well, isn't it? Well, what's what's the answer? Uh, uh, do you know what? I have to say the Grand Slam match. Yeah. I have to say the Grand Slam match. I played well. I played well in both the Northampton and the Grand Slam. That always helps <laughs> uh, when you think back on them. Um, but yeah, so that was that was kind of a historic day for Ireland actually, and that was um, that was a great day. And even the scenes afterwards. Sorry, that's definitely the best one. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then the last question you kind of touched on it there to be fair was from Fergal. It was about what was it like playing in that 0-9 line second test. But I'm gonna gonna steal the question. I like was it with Ian McGeekin as the coach as well? Like, did you did it feel like when you were on that tour that it was you were in a living with the Lions? Like it was come to life. Like it was a did it feel like that? Uh, <laughs> no, not really. I don't know. When you're there, you're just you're just dying to get in the team, you know, and um. Like he was so good for his speech. He just has a great voice for for speaking. You know, that well, that's what I mean. Like, um, did it feel like when he was giving his big speeches? Really, like this is actually like '97, Jim Telfer. This is like no, you don't really think back to those things. But um, yeah, like he was he was such a nice guy as well. Like McGeekin is a great fella. Like like one of the really nice guys you meet in rugby as well. Um, and geez, he got so. He got so emotional when he was when he was speaking himself. Like he was, he's always crying. <laughs> he's always crying. Um, but yeah, like it was, they were great moments. Um, and like loads, of, like just so many. You meet so many good people on those trips. Um, and I, I think back on it now, and that's really what I remember. Um, 
you know, like great stories, like kind of stuff with like, you know, Andy Powell was always a guy I think back on. I was thinking, what a character, like such a nice guy as well. Um, and some of the coaches, you know, Roundtree was, you know, lovely fella, um, like really good coach. I tell you, the Munster guys, I love him working with him. Um, and, um, you know, even Edwards, like Sean Edwards, like even though he killed me one of the meetings after the second test for something that was like nearly impossible to defend and someone else kind of out of position, I was like, I still loved playing for him. I thought he was a great guy. So like, they're the things I remember. It was so good. Like, do you feel like, do you know, the only time I ever felt like kind of an outer body experience really was like my, where I was like, Jesus, you're playing for Ireland was my first test. After that, I kind of settled into it and I kind of expected to be in all these things. Um, so um, it wasn't really that much. It wasn't that much of a surprise to me, Will. I, I, I'm not sure that yeah. makes sense. It wasn't like an outer body experience. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah, like, yeah. oh, I'm living with the Lions here and I feel like, where's John Bentley? I expect him to be around <laughs> the corner and tell a funny joke. It, no, it wasn't that. I just, um, I kind of expected to be there and I was really focused on the win. And I did, I, I will say, some of the speeches, like we, Willie John McBride was like kind of came in to present us with the jerseys and all. He spoke, he spoke brilliantly. So, um, like great memories and um you know, you're, when you're in it, you're kind of immersed in it. You're not really thinking about, oh, what will this look like on camera? But um, when I think back on it, maybe it was fairly surreal at the time. Did you watch The Living with the Lions from 09? Uh, don't know, actually. I'm sure I did, yeah. It's actually, go value. <laughs> well, was, oh, sorry, it's, sorry, from, from 2009, from, you said? Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, from R1. No, I, I, uh, I, she said, I'm pretty sure I did, yeah. I don't know. I can't remember now. Yeah, Sean um, Edwards. Is... Like I was there, so like watching it wasn't really like, do you know what I mean? I, I, I was, I was there, so. <laughs> yeah, um, but, I kind of. Yeah. Would it be funny to watch it back? Yeah. Maybe I'll watch it back someday, and I'll like, I'll have a laugh at it. You know, I was so young on it. I just wish I, I, I suppose I wish I had. Bleach Mohawk. If I could have my, uh, if I could have my time back, I just really wish that um, I could have done a few of those things when I was older, you know, and I didn't get the injuries that I got because it really diminished me as a player. Um, like I came back from that tour and I was playing brilliant rugby, like really like playing unbelievable. And I kind of, I felt like I'd figured out a lot. Um, but then I got some huge injuries that like, you kind of have to relearn everything. Um and it was really hard. It kind of came in and out of form. Like I, I feel like I would have had, I could have had a, an unbelievable career if, if it had been, look, you're looking back at like what could have been, but I, I, I knew I learned so much in that tour. I'd had a little bit of a few injuries um, on the tour. It kind of got off to a slow start and hadn't maybe worked out. We didn't get the win and that, but I just came back in such a good frame of mind. And I really feel like my, I was ready to kind of kick my career on. Like I was 21 coming into that preseason. And I just knew I was like, I kind of felt like I was destined to go on to have a super career, like a really great career, uh, even on an international level. Um, and it just never materialized because I got all these injuries. So that's kind of always been a disappointing part. Like, I feel like that was the bit that was most disappointing about my career was post Lions Tour, where I felt like, geez, I'm really going to kick on here. Uh, and I never really could. So, um, yeah, look, I'm kind of veering off uh, <laughs> the, the, the Lions Tour question. Look, it's an amazing thing to do. Like four countries, four different ideologies about how you play the game. Uh, you got to come together. And you've pretty much got like four or five weeks to come together and play. Usually, they always, one of those, like bar Australia for the last couple of years, but New Zealand and South Africa are genuine, like they're generally the best um, 
are the first and second best in the world. Maybe England and France pop in there, in and out of there, here and you know from time to time. And Ireland in the last couple of years, but generally they're the best teams in the world. So you got this huge challenge to come together and produce like three massive performances to try and win a Test series. Like it's the best thing you'll ever do, I think, uh, in 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 a rugby context. And uh, it was so good to experience it. I wish. I wish people got to experience it other than just on the DVDs because there's so much other stuff behind the scenes that you'll just, you have to be there to really experience. So um, hard to really put it all into words, but amazing trip. Like, I mean, any rugby player will tell you who's been on it. Class, you know. Mm. Fergal already got banged for his book. Well, Fergal already got banged for his book with that question. Well, 25 minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, gotta give the people what they want. You look, I miss it, you, Will. It's been, uh, well, it, it's been, it was, it's been tough. It was I'm such, with all symptoms. <laughs> it was such a long answer that halfway through, I actually texted my housemate and asked him to turn off the ribs. So the ribs are, just in case the listeners are wondering, it's three minutes past the allotted time for the ribs, but the ribs have been turned off. So I'll be eating them momentarily. But uh, that is our first uh, remote podcast in the books. How did you find it? Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? All that was Fair, missing was like a, all these. All that was missing was like a book line backdrop to make myself look smarter. Than yeah, I, am. I need to work out. I know you can do like kind of one of my all my lectures are online now, and one of the guys is able to put on, uh, like he had like the New York skyline behind him. So I'd have to try and pick something yeah. good, like a beach or something. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to be in New York. Place things up. <laughs> yeah, probably not. But um, look, no, it'd be good. I think we'll try and get a, a guest on next week. It's obviously a bit of a trial run, so. Um, I think it went well. Gav will tell us there. You can see Gav's. You guys probably can't see Gav's face there. Yeah. But Gav Hennessy is on. Um, or uh, well, I think Jack of all trades at this stage. I wouldn't even say our sound guy at this stage. <laughs> uh, he's chucked on the way there. But um, so we'll find out if it went well. I think we'll try and get someone else on. It'll be a bit of fun, you know. Yeah. Keep, well, keep ourselves occupied during these times. Exactly. Well, Luke, thanks for joining me. Stay safe. Make sure to observe hand washing protocols and social distancing. Yeah, no, it's good to be here, Will. And sure, look, we'll see you next week. We'll be chatting during the week, okay? All right. Thanks, Luke. And that's all we have time for this week on the left wing. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with another remote podcast. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and on independent.ie. So until next week, stay safe and goodbye.